welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music. Where tonight I, Jason, am sitting with my friend Mike. Say what's up, Mikey. Hello, Jason. And Kevin. Say what's up, Kev. Hello, Jason. Hello, listeners. Welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, tonight we're going to be doing something rather fun that we've been talking about for a little while, which is discussing the idea of one-hit wonders. But before we do that, let's get into This Is My Jam. What are you listening to now? I'm going to go first, <laughs> if you don't mind. No problem. Okay. And the reason I'm going to pick this song is because not only is it my jam recently, and I wouldn't say it's my jam, I, I, it was my jam and it is again. You ever have those songs that kind of come back into your life and like you, they have like a rebirth and like, wow, I, I did really like this song and now I like it again. Yep. That's what happened to me with this. And ironically, it also is related in some way foreshadowing a bit of one of my choices for my one hit one. Mm, all so right. I'm going to leave that out there too. Right. This is Broken Bells with Vaporize. Do you know Broken Bells? I do. Song. Oh, that's a great song. When this album came out, I wasn't into this kind of music, and this, obviously, The High Road was a, was a huge deal yes. for me. That song is amazing. That's number one. This is track number two, Vaporize, and I ended up liking the whole album. So this is the first album. Yeah, because I did too. Yep. So, that's it. That's Vaporize. That's my, that's my jam for right now. I like it. Mikey? Sure. Here you go. So, my jam is not related to this podcast because (laughs) this singer has 19 number one hits. Whoa. Uh, Probably my favorite single artist of the nineties. Okay. Uh, With a collab of my favorite uh, hip hop group. Oh, Uh, I was huge into this song when it came out. You don't really hear it anymore. I started listening to it again and just love the song. Like you said, came back to me. I'm intrigued. So this is Mariah Carey with Bone Thugs <laughs> Breakdown. Wow, I used to love this. Wow. Did not think you were going to pick this. Wow. Just got to let Mariah sing a little bit. Yeah, she's really good on this, huh? Was this a number one? This was not a number one. No, I don't think so. But we loved it. It was a very big song for us. I know you guys are big in the in the boat. Bone and, and Mariah at the time. Yeah, yeah. Mariah. yeah. It was a big deal. Big deal. I have forgotten about this. That's song. a good voice. Such a good voice. So she was big into the collaborations back then, right? They all were. This kind right? of started it. This and Honey. Honey. Yeah. Right. With, yeah. With was that big uh, Puff Daddy? Puff Daddy, time, Diddy, yeah. whatever you want to call him. Right. All right, great, great pick, Mikey. You know what? I'm gonna have to put this back on rotation because it's really good. You're right. Things a little faster. Yeah, like love though. it. Yeah. All right. That's really good. All right. Well done on that. Wait, wait. So is it sad that like people that are probably under 25 don't know him as Puff Daddy? They know him as. He Diddy, right? Or Diddy is what? correct. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He changes it every five yeah. years or so. Okay. Again, we're getting old. Yep. Every podcast, you're reminding me of that and Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Not writing his songs. But here is my song for tonight. You ready? Ready.
Nope. Nope. Don't. It's got a cool groove, though, doesn't it? Very cool. Is that Nora Jones? Absolutely. <gasps> what is this? I don't know this. Oh, this is me. Damn, she's good. What, so, what is this? So the name of the song is called Happy Pills. Okay. And it's off the 2012 album Pretty Little Things. I don't know that. I don't know that album. Very good album. Really? This is the best song on it for sure. Wow, this is this is must be a deviation from the stuff that she was doing at the time, huh? This right. is kind so of a very different than, than her yeah, first album, right? Yeah. So I just want to say this is the first time that I've repeated an artist for This Is My Jam. I wonder if I'm gonna go the Mike route of picking Nora Jones every time like Mike used to for <laughs> Foo Fighters. I don't know if you'll have enough jams. Yeah. That's true though, right? There's yeah. a lot of time. Here, lot. The only other thing I would say about the song, watch the video. Much better than than Don't Know Why, which is what I did from before. Right. It's like a Hollywood production. Oh, really? And Nora is like a secret murderess in the oh. in the video. So go so it's like watch. A, like a little film. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. A little film noir. Oh, okay. So All go right. back, watch Happy Pills, the song by Nora Jones. I like it. It's a really good song. Yeah, it's a groove. Never said we'd be friends, trying to keep wow. All right. Well, she would not apply to the podcast that we are about to do. No way. And speaking of applying, I wanted to start tonight by talking to you guys about something we really didn't talk about, which is what makes a one-hit wonder? So I took a couple of things from the internet, because you know the internet knows all, and in the Billboard book of one-hit wonders, which there's actually a book about this, the author says that, quote, an act has to have won a position on Billboard's national pop top 40 just once now i didn't adhere to that so we had talked a little bit and said let's at least make it to top 100 so i stuck to that instead of the top 40 that's the first thing wait wait say so that that he says that it has to be something an act so an artist or a band that won a position on billboard's national pop top 40 just once yeah i have that same quote actually oh do you okay all right so but you're saying that I didn't you, adhere you, to that. But, but you would pick some something in the top 100 or that if they had something that was still um, less than 40, but... So that leads me to the second thing, which is what about people that were on maybe the top 40 and then had a second entry that was, let's say, 80? So okay, are they okay. still a one-hit wonder? In my opinion, no. No. But I guess it also becomes, well... If I didn't really know it and no one really knew it, but it's still charted, maybe it's there, there's like a little bit of a discrepancy there. So, for example, um, some weird things would be like I had just done a podcast on Easy Lover, right? right. So, Phil Collins clearly has a ton of hits, right. the most amount of hits in the 80s, for example. Phil Bailey, both multiple, I mean, with Earth, Wind, and Fire, tons of charted, yet the only song that Philip Bailey did by himself was Easy Lover. So, is that a one hit wonder? To me, no. No. Okay, right? Right. Okay. Other criteria was if the act had been a solo performer versus a group performance. So like Roger Daltrey's Without Your Love. Right. Does that count? No. No. Okay, that doesn't count. So we're on the same page there as well. Um, Also, 
Disc jockey and music writer Brent Mann points out how some artists have one-hit wonders because they have signature songs that overshadow the rest of the artist's discography. So if you have something that's so amazingly popular and then a lot of little songs, that's not a one-hit wonder either. And then lastly, if you pick, let's say, a one-hit wonder from like Beck or The Grateful Dead, neither one of those, like Touch of Grey was the only one that fits from Grateful Dead, yet their entire collection is so prolific that it wouldn't be fair to call them one-hit wonders. So I'm the one playing this song because oh, really? I was going to give this as an example. Oh, okay, good. Of what wouldn't be a one-hit wonder. Okay, good. All this right, so the, we're on the same page. Right. So okay. this, this right. was the only song that ever charted by Got the Grateful Dead, right. but you can hardly call them a one-hit no, one wonder. No, for sure. For sure. I look. Yeah. yeah. This is Touch of Grey. Okay. okay. From 1987's um, In the Dark. It. And it's a good song, but yeah, to call them a one-hit wonder band would not even do them justice. That's not fair, nor is it accurate. I look at a one-hit wonder as kind of came and went, or was just popular just for that one song. So I might have to throw out one of my songs. Wait, after. why do you say that? Why? Because I do have one where they had a really big hit, number one, Okay. won a Grammy, and then they had one more that hit number 25, mm-hmm. but it's not very well known, and then that's it. But that's, that's okay. That's, that's okay. See, this, this is this is kind of what I thought we would All do right, on maybe this. Maybe I'll play it at the end, especially on this first one, is we can maybe tighten the criteria going forward. Because in doing this, I realize that there's so many oh, one-hit yeah, right. wonders. There's a lot, and there's so many good fun. ones too. Absolutely. And how unbelievably remarkable is it to even make the top forty, let alone the top one hundred as right. an artist? I mean, that's right. It's it's monumental. So to get there. Some songs are just really good, and the, the rest of the stuff, the band just fell apart, or whatever the case may be. Right? Can yeah. I get, can I give one more? Because I, I was also going to do Beck's Loser. Oh, were you really? No yep. kidding. Okay. And then here's the other one too. That same criteria of this is her only hit, but she is critically acclaimed. Okay. Oh, uh, Fiona, Fiona Apple, Apple, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. This is from 1997's title. Boy, see, I I don't know enough about her. I know you really like her, Kev, and. I would so I would say this is a one hit wonder for me, for me yeah. But I know she's underground, like really well respected for everything she did. I just don't know any of it. Did so. you go to the Coldplay concert with me when she opened? Yes. I didn't know no, any, any other song. song. Right, me neither. Other than this, yeah. So she has she only has five albums too. So that's since 1997. Her last one was released in 2020. Okay. But they are probably five, at least four of the five I would say are the most. Some of the top-rated albums of the last twenty-five years. Oh, come years. on! See, I didn't know that. Absolutely, yeah. She is top shelf now. High artist. Is she a musician? She's a musician. She's no, no, no. A, a musician's like a band or artist. Like, is it the people that are in the know? Like, what, what is it about her? She's just. She's got a real complex, I think, artistry to her. Okay. She's an excellent songwriter, but it's not like for the mainstream, right? It's not yeah. something that you're going to put not on radio. and just jam to. The criminal. Yeah, you can definitely jam to that. Most of her stuff you can't, but it's just stunning. Is it in that uh, same music. vein? Her other stuff? No. So that is it that, moody, dark, I mean, alternative. It's, it's, it's definitely dark and moody and okay. alternative. Um, but it's not. I mean, I, I would call Criminal a little more upbeat than a oh, lot of stuff. Oh, she oh does. wow. Okay. But you know, just 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 a really great. Is she um, a Lana Del Rey kind of a? 
yeah, a little person. bit Lana. I mean, probably more upbeat stuff though than Lana Del Rey has. She does have some very playful tunes, and like on the album "Extraordinary Machine," she's got some stuff that that's oh. almost um, like 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 vaudeville like. Yeah. Um, but she she really knows how to how to put together a great album. But yeah, she'd be a one hit wonder just based on that. But I think if you talk to the music world in general, the, the you know the people see that that's are funny in there. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. consider it. You wouldn't put her there. I probably no would way. have prior to you talking. Okay, All got right. it. All right, so let's get into it. So what we did tonight is we each picked three one-hit wonders, and the only thing we really said was let's make the songs somewhat, especially on this first one, because I'm sure we're going to do a follow-up or two or three. Um, Let's make the songs that we choose important to us. So that's what I did. I'm hoping that you guys did the same. Same. Okay, so who wants to go first? I'll go. All right, Mikey, you're up. So I think my first pick is a true one-hit wonder. Okay. This band formed in LA in 1997. I heard it first either on the radio, probably MTV. Okay. I liked it so much I went out and bought the CD. Um, Was I, I with you at the time? Uh, I don't know if you were. <laughs> I don't think you were with me. Okay. Um, it's not that song I'm thinking of then. Maybe. Okay. Um, but I just loved it so much, listened to the song, scrolled to the rest of the CD, and I was like, this is just a single I bought <laughs> because I hated the rest of the CD. Oh, wow. Now, I've recently re-listened to the album, and it's actually really good music. It just wasn't my kind of music at the time. Oh, wow. They're actually, it was pretty well critically acclaimed, the album. Okay. Um, their band is known for their anti-corporate America views. Uh, it's got a mix of rock and soul okay. compared to Todd Rundgren, Hall & Oates, Prince and Mick Jagger. I think especially Mick Jagger. Oh. Not so much in this song, but the rest of the songs you can really? definitely see. Okay. Um, however, they only had one U.S. charting song. Uh, it did hit number one in Canada, hit number five in New Zealand, hit number 36 in the U.S. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so this is their biggest... This is their one and only oh, okay. album. Oh, no they kidding. They broke up Whoa. shortly after. This is from the, de- the debut album, Maybe You've Been Brainwashed 2. Okay. This is You Get What You Give by New Radical. Oh, yeah, okay. So good. Ugh. How did I miss this one? Oh, I do really like this song. Yeah, they nailed it with this. You missed it because there's probably... Oh, we could probably do 10. We will easily. Yeah. Easily. A little Jagger in this song. Yep, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely give you that. One of my absolute favorite songs to play on the piano is this song. Yeah. It is so neat what they did melodically. It's really well done. It rocks. It does rock. It's fun, too. So good. Good song. I, I hope that they're still eating off of this song because I it is, so it is so sure good. Are. I really hope so. It's in movies. It's in commercials. Yeah, I hope so. Right? Yeah, good. They're, good. they're still making a living off it. Damn it, Mikey. Great pick. Great, great, great pick. All right. Okay. Kev, you want to go next? Sure. Okay. Okay. So we talked about earlier, there's really no hard and fast line that, that determines what a one-hit wonder is. Yeah. We, we should come up with something kind of like we did with Yacht Rock. Where right. You gave me this criteria. To, that those guys kind of adhered to, and maybe we, you guys didn't agree with it, but they stuck to it. Maybe going forward, we should, after we do the podcast, kind of see where we fall and stick to a tighter... Well, I, and I was going to say, 
kind of like New Wave, right? There's yeah. no Yatsky scale for one-hit right. wonders right. necessarily. Right. Maybe we can come up with the one-hit wonder yes, scale. Exactly. Um, but I so I did want to take an angle though to this, All right. as you know, I normally like to with yep. these with these shows. Um, there was a gentleman that I found on on the internet named Tom Naraki. Okay. And in 2014, on a site called QPoint, he came up with the list for artists and bands who didn't just make a hit in the top 40, but they hit number one and then never had another top 40 hit. So right, wait, wait, wait. So they, it hit number one, hit number one, the highest possible, yep. and then never charted again. And then they never had another charting oh, hit wow. after that in the top 40. That's a proper one-hit wonder, then. So that's what I, I thought. That sounds like like a true one-hit yeah. wonder. You're, you're, you're up at the highest heights, and then you never... Not only did you never get back to the top, you never even got... On the mountain, right? You, you weren't even at, at, the, uh, yeah. at the base of the mountain necessarily. So I'm using this tonight as, as my criteria. Um, and as of 2014, from when he wrote this, there were 60 artists who qualified under this criteria. Oh, that's cool. So I'm excited to see if you guys have anything from this as well. But so here's my first one. We're going to go way back on this. Love it. Hey. Love it. Just a little bit can I say what it is? Absolutely. Stay. Yep. You know by Maurice Williams. Maurice. Yep. Maurice White. Nope. Maurice, Maurice Williams. Williams. Okay, got it. And the Zodiacs. I didn't know that part. So good. I was going to ask you guys if you knew. I'm, I'm impressed, Jason. You got it. Oh, that falsetto. I love it. Yeah, I forgot about this song. It's great. So this, what, it, it's a classic doo-wop tune, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So what year? What year? This was released in 1960. Wow. It hit number one late that year. The band formed in South Carolina. Okay. You guys have any idea how long the song is? They were quick back then. 220. Nope. 3.02. It may finish playing by the time I finish <laughs> saying the sentence. It's only one minute and thirty-seven seconds. No wow! Kidding. And so it's the, and it is the shortest number one hit in Billboard history. No kidding. Yes. You know what's funny? I for the longest time thought it was, um, the box tops. Give me a ticket for an airplane. That was the shortest. I thought it was the, the, this one, I, and I think because I found the list of the top ten shortest. Are they on there as well? They're, they're on there. Yeah, Holy smokes, I want to say they were like eight or nine seconds longer than this song. <laughs> a minute thirty. That's now, nuts. So but I, now I'm impressed that you got Maurice Williams. I did not know who, who that's who this yeah. was. You know who I always thought this was? No. This is a cover of "Stay." I don't know this Stay. version. Is that um, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons? Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. I didn't know they did this. Yep, they covered it four years later, nineteen sixty. No kidding. Probably because it was such a big hit, right? And, and Frankie did kind of that doo-wop sort of stuff, yeah, right? For sure. I don't know this version. That's funny. I'll tell you, it's definitely not as good. No, it's original, not. Right? No, there's way more soul in the original. And they only made it to number sixteen with that song. Oh, wow. So, wow. And That's obviously, cool. they're not a one-hit wonder because they had plenty. No, right. And anybody else know, what else was the famous um, version, cover version of Stay? Oh. Uh, uh, People stay. Oh, yeah. Just a little Wait. Longer. Who is this, though? 70s. It's in the 70s, right? 70s. Oh. Just a little bit longer. I have heard this. But I don't think I know who it is. Me neither. Come on. 
Can you wait? Oh, just give me a second. Yeah, a little bit. He wrote songs for the Eagles. He was Glenn Fry's roommate. Oh, um, this is that was Jackson Brown. It's Jackson Brown. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So it's the second half. Didn't know from the voice, though. I honestly knew it from the. I knew they were roommates. For, for, one, the the, one lived upstairs, one lived downstairs. Yeah, correct. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were partners. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this was the second half of his song called "The Loadout" that he played live. It's a song you know dedicated to um, his fans and to the roadies that helped make <laughs> concert touring possible. No kidding. Yeah. And by the way, I have a great Jackson Brown story to tell you guys someday. I'm not going to do it today. Oh, please um, save it because he deserves his own podcast. He deserves he his own really podcast. He really does. Yes, yeah, so I want. He's to, underrated. I want to save it for that for sure. Okay. Um, but so the original state. Oh, it's also famous. The, the original version from right. Maurice Williams. Right. Famous for being in the in the movie Dirty Dancing. Oh yes, with correct. Patrick Swayze yes. and Jennifer yep. Grey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so no other version of it, even Jackson Brown's, there went to number one. So wow. that is saved for just the original. That is a proper one hit wonder for sure. Then. Wow, well done on that. That's great. So my first entry into the One Hit Wonders podcast is a song I know that you're going to know. And yes, it is a bit of foreshadowing from the This Is My Jam. This is crazy. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my I like this song when it came out. I like it every time I hear it. I like it still today. I like it at, for every occasion. I absolutely love this song, and that's why I picked it. Was it the biggest song of the 2000s? Yes. I think for 2000. Yes. Right? Yeah. So not only was it placed at number 100 on the 500 greatest songs of all time, which I think is really high, but it was the biggest song for Rolling Stone of the decade. Number one of the decade. Wow. Did you say what song it is? This is Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. Um, It only peaked at number two on the Billboard Top 100. Yes. And they came out with it as a single, and then they decided to pull it from the music stores so that people wouldn't overplay it, and they wanted to remember the song fondly and not get sick of it. However, um, that didn't happen. And it got crazy. It was one of the first songs to be streamed to a certain level, and I don't have the actual numbers in front of me of how big it was, but it was one of the biggest. And the song that kept it out of being uh, a number one hit was Ready to Make Nice by the Dixie Chicks, which I don't even know that song. I have no idea. You you could probably play it for me. I still don't know it. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, The reason why I said that it was a bit of a foreshadowing from the song that I picked is because um, Broken Bells... Mm -hmm. Is do you know who, who's in Broken Bells? It's the lead guy from the Shins. Yeah, that's right. So then, I knew you knew the Shins. And then Danger Mouse. That's right. So Danger Mouse and CeeLo Green and Mikey. We know CeeLo Green because he was in the Goody Mob. Right. Yeah. So I love that song, and I didn't. I until I did a little bit of research on the song and looked at some of the stats. I thought that it was a play on. Gnarls Barkley for Charles Barkley, but it had nothing not? to do with it. No. Oh, come on. Really? Which I find really odd. But I no. find that hard to believe. So yeah. Danger Mouse is quoted to say, there's no story behind it. The name doesn't have anything to do with anything. Although many people believe the nickname has something to do with a former NBA player, Charles Barkley, uh, it has nothing to do with anything. Much like everything else on the record, there was no conscious decision about any of the stuff that we did. So you know what's wild, though? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I wonder if he's not telling the truth, and that's re- it really is Charles Barkley, because do you remember... Yeah, what, why, why? Yeah. What, do you remember yeah. what Pearl Jam's original name was? 
Oh, you guys know wait, this? yes, it was Mookie Blaylock Mookie or something, Blaylock, right? something like that. He was yeah. a basketball player, yes. and he, I think, sued them or something, or wouldn't allow them to <laughs> so use maybe. his name. Yeah, yeah maybe. So Charles, you, right. you know, could have done the same thing, but yeah, because it makes no sense otherwise, doesn't it? Right, it's just ridiculous. That's um, Danger Mouse is an incredible producer, um, and produced. And I wrote this down just for you, Kev. In 2014, he produced an album for you too. I don't know if you knew that. About 12 songs they oh, did with him. Uh, songs of Innocence. Yeah. From you too. Yep. Yep. So Danger Mouse is credited with doing that. So I just, I happen to love that song. I think it's absolutely great, but it is without a doubt a one hit wonder. But I think CeeLo's voice is just so unique. It's so high yet soulful. You know what? And it really meshes well with the beat. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Or, 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 or counterpoint, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's excellent. Now, did you find any of the, um, you know, there's a lot of covers of this song. Yes. Yeah. I have a couple of them actually stored in my phone because I like some of the covers, but yeah. nobody does it as good as they do. No, 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 opinion. no. The, the original, like we wouldn't have any covers better than the original for this song. <laughs> no, for sure. That's right. That's but right. you know who does it? Sean Colvin. I don't um, know who that is. Sean Colvin uh, had a song, of course, now, now I'm blanking on what she had. It was in the in the 90s. Okay. Um, not What Is God Is One Of Us. That, that's Joan Osborne. But something along the... Oh, Sonny Came Home. She sang the song oh, Sonny I know, Came okay, Home. Oh, I know that, yeah. She right. does a version of this. Really? That's stripped down acoustic. It's really good. Oh, I think really? I think the song is so good. So. Okay. There's a, there's a version done by a group called Scary Pockets. Um, I'm going to play it for you real quick. Well, I hope that you've been having the time of your life. Now, the only reason I like this version Just remember. is because he puts horns in it, which I think really makes the song sing. I'll fast forward to that part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Horns are good. So that's kind of cool. And I really like that beat. A little more, little more kind of laid back. So anyway, that's my first uh, one-hit wonder. And that's Gnarls Barkley with Crazy. Very good call. All right, Mikey, yeah, you're up. Awesome. All right, my next song does not meet Kevin's criteria. It barely makes the criteria of the top 40 because okay. it hit number 40. Okay. But I heard this song probably in 1994 when it came out, riding in my friend Eric's Jeep Wrangler, <laughs> which okay. had a system, as we called them back in the days. Oh, yeah. You know, a nice stereo, two 10-inch subwoofers. Right. And I hadn't really heard a good rock song in a setup, like I always rap and bass music was all we listened to back then with sure. those kind of things. And again, I immediately went out and bought the CD and again, didn't like any of the other songs. <laughs> you bought another single. Yes, I did. Okay. So, yep. I was relegated to the single CD, but, um, there are some other, again, some other good songs on it. Okay. So this band was formed in Fort Worth, Texas in 1989 by lead singer Vaden Todd Lewis. Todd Lewis. The sound they're described as is distinctly grunge, although from Texas, and distinctly Texan. Oh, yeah. They had okay. six singles on their debut album. Really? And they're still touring today. Uh, but this is the only song that hit the top chart. Okay. Uh, of the six singles, one charted. One charted, and this one hit number 40 and then number four on the alternative charts. If you don't succeed at first, try, try again, <laughs> I guess. This song just jams. It's really special to me. It's my favorite song I'm playing tonight. Okay, wow. So this is, well, I'm just going to play it, Jason. Okay. Yeah, play it. I know you'll know it. Okay. All right. I, I don't know if Kevin will know it, so let's see. All right. 
I know. Yep. This is the Toadies Possum Kingdom. And this one I was with you when you bought it. Yes. Yes. Decide to walk with me. I never knew it was panned hard right like that. That's cool. Around the just love the opening tonight. guitar. It's great. It's a great riff. Around yeah. The late tonight. It is grungy. They're right about that. And that bass drum with the two tenon subwoofers. I bet it, I bet it, my, it blew my mind. Yeah. It's a great song. You know what? I made fun of you when you bought yeah, this. Yeah, you did. Because it was it was unlike anything we were listening totally, to or right. liked at the time. Yep. And you were like, no, it just it it rocks. I'll not be a gentleman. And I and I always made fun of you when you play, but you know it's funny, I like it more now than I did yep. then. Maybe I've grown up with it. I'll show you my dark secret. Yeah, great Drum, song. Drums are great. We gotta we gotta get to the hook though. Yeah. Because that does make the song. I would have never guessed they had any other singles. Get yeah, I, I they had one other single, but it, it no nowhere near the top forty. This is still played today. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Great tune. No, All right. And it's definitely a great chorus. Yeah. And you know, I'll tell you the reason I know it is because when I came home from college for spring break, my freshman year, I brought a bunch of my buddies down with me from school. And one of the guys, his name is Murph, loved that song. And you, I think you told him that you loved it too. And so yep. he and I took your car <laughs> with your, as, as these guys referred to, the system, the system in it yeah. and the pumping bass and you know the high <laughs> everything so we're driving down you know speed as fast as we can listen to the song and murph is just headbanging the whole time <laughs> in the song that's it's per- it's perfect for that that's yep. great that's great yep you always loved it and still do i really I like that it. yeah yeah i love how songs just stick with you sometimes like the song chooses you instead of you choosing the song all i right. love that i love that all right kev you're up all right gentlemen here is my second choice for one hit wonders again a true number one and they never hit the chart again Yep. Golly. Yeah. If there ever was a definition of a one-hit wonder, it would be this song. You think so? I do. I really do. This song is played every weekend at parties across the world. It's still played to this day. Weddings. It's every DJ's (laughs) go-to. Like, come on. So again, obviously you guys know it. This is Dex's Midnight Runners. And their seminal tune. So just good. Said. Come on, Eileen. Did they have anything ever, ever, ever? Like, I mean, anything that they even tried? So, all right, it's from the album To Rye. <laughs> wait, wait, can you tell me a little bit about this? I know nothing about I'm gonna them. T- I'm gonna, okay, cool. I'm going to tell you about them. <laughs> I don't know if they're of, uh, like, American origin. They sound British in some way to me. Like, so, what, well, well, so just so you know, by the way, Jason, this this is considered new wave in some circles. Oh, so I should have played this on right, the new wave so podcast. I know you something. Known something. I know something. Um, but I assume that MTV is what really propelled this here in the United States to the to the top. You know, Bill. Oh, really? Okay. For sure. I mean, this was. You know, again, Mike and I were, were big MTV uh, listeners as we talked about on the new wave podcast, and this hit number one in April of 1983. 
83. Yeah, okay. You had to love the video. Play, play, play it again. Just, just one second. So you got that beat. The beat switch is great. I mean, every corporate function, every part, everything, is, they play this song. So do you remember the video? No. So do you remember the video, Mike? Yeah. So it's yes. a bunch of British folks. So they are from. Oh, England. are they? Okay. All right. Um, they're, they're from the hardworking town of Birmingham. Okay. Or Birmingham, Birmingham. as they would say over there. Uh, they're decked out like in their denim overalls and like very little else underneath it, <laughs> okay. and they're just dancing around to the beat. And is it colorful? You know, maybe I do remember. It, 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 it's pastoral. Okay. Right? Yes. In, yes. In this, okay. Maybe I do. You know, um, I mean, they're out there. They're dancing the streets. They're playing fiddles, banjos, the washboard. Um, it, it's an English hoedown that I think we appreciate here in this country because you know that's that that's something that we love to do here, yeah. right? With the old you yeah. know kind of kind of hoedowns there. So. Um, yeah, these folks they were they were like middle Americans, just blue collar folks trying to have some trying to have a little fun. It was a huge hit here for sure, though. So, but here's the crazy thing, Jason. Okay. So you only know the one song for right? sure, and almost everybody here in the United States only knows the one song. Right. Yep. Do you want to guess how many albums Dexy's Midnight Runners <gasps> have on Colin Larkin's One Thousand and One Albums? You <gasps> must hear before you die. And I'll give you a hint. It's None. Not, it's not zero. Got, I'll give you a hint. It's not zero. Come on. Uh, well, y- y- you even asking the question leads me to believe there's more than one, which really scares me. So I'm going to say two. There's three. Get out of town. Yes. So again, it's a band. Did that they o- pay him? So <laughs> I think it's a band that only had one big song here in the U.S., but they were clearly critically acclaimed no in kidding. England. And I will tell you, I listened to all three albums already. They're all pretty good. Are they they're all in that same kind, kind of, of new folky, wavy 80s? Yeah, folky 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bluesy, little, uh, you know, not, not so much R&B, but yeah, pretty, pretty so decent. international pop. Well, and, and, I, and I think probably British Isles Okay, pop, okay, right? okay, okay, okay. Um, wow. So, I mean, definitely worthy of the 1001 list, all three albums. Wow. Guess what? Today, they're still going strong. Um, they almost had a tour last year for the 40th anniversary of the album, which, again, making me feel old. That, that song is 40 years old. Uh, but lead singer Kevin Rowland, he was injured in a motorcycle accident last March, so the tour was canceled. However, they're planning on releasing a new album this year called The Feminine Divine um, and should come out no any day. So they're, yeah, they're wow. still going strong in, in, in the UK. I would say this is, I don't think anyone will ever top, in my opinion, of what's a one-hit wonder for me. This is it. And this one? This, this is it. Yeah. It's perfect. This is perfect, yeah. And I'll say, you can't be in a bad mood listening to No, you songs. can't, right? It's, there's nothing melancholy or somber no. or sad about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. I know you guys didn't pick this song for sure, and I can't wait to just tell you why I picked it. So the next one for me as a one-hit wonder is by a man called Billy Paul. Oh, yeah. Mikey? Nope. You do know the song. This is me and Mrs. Jones. This was absolutely on my short list. No way. Didn't make it, but it was... That makes me really happy. Whisker close to making it. So I absolutely love this song. I don't know what it is. I mean, I know that Philadelphia sound, which he is one of the pioneers of, is really special to me. But there's just something about it that just is so soulful I just absolutely love it me and Mrs. Jones there's nothing better than a guy just loves to sing about his oh, woman right we got a thing but specifically it's about these two people having a secret relationship that's right that nobody's to know about and they meet every day 
in the same cafe, 6.30, to hold hands and talk and talk about how they get caught up in this quandary and what they're going to do about it. And I think it's just incredible. So Billy Paul is an amazing story. Not a story that warrants, in my opinion, a full podcast, but it allows me the opportunity to kill two birds with one stone, which is tell you one of the saddest stories. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Because Billy Paul truly should have been much bigger and much more uh, thought about in the R&B world than he ever really was. So when when me and Mrs. Jones came out, he won a Grammy. It was a number one single, and he was the guy to kind of start the Philadelphia soul movement. Wait, he was the guy that started it? He was one of the pioneers for sure, but he was so respected for everything he did, even before in the in the Philadelphia soul sound, right. that he was like the guy. He was the Marvin Gaye of the oh. Philadelphia soul. So, like Teddy Pendergrass. Teddy Pendergrass that, right? was his right. He was his label mate. Got it. Right. He was even I think at the time more respected than him. Wow. Which is really crazy. Couple of things. So first off, he was enlisted in the armed services, and I want to tell you this story because he and Gary Crosby, who was Bing Crosby's son, okay. were stationed with Elvis Presley. No kidding. Yes, and they tried to get Elvis Presley to be in. Their band, but Elvis didn't want to have anything to do with them. Did Billy write oh. any songs for Elvis? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I wanted to leave the door open Thank for you. Thank you. To- <laughs> that was right on the tee for me. So after me and Mrs. Jones, which again, I, I just forgive me. Oh, yeah, you got to play it. I mean, there's nothing more soulful. Okay, anyway, after this, he comes out with a song called Am I Black Enough? Okay, and he has made what he then later described as the biggest mistake of anyone's career. He went too political, too controversial, and basically, like, really screwed himself. And so what he had said was, (laughs) I'm still satisfied with both CBS and Philadelphia International. However, if I released just a different track, I may have reached the heights of even Michael Jackson. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's true, but the point is he was that well-respected. Then he decides to make a song after Am I Black Enough to come back called Let's Make a Baby. Let's Make a Baby had such a negative and obscure kind of message and, and, and I should say an obscene kind of message that the Reverend Jesse Jackson and Operation Push <laughs> came and shut him down along with a few other songs at the time, Hall and Oates' Rich Girl okay. and the Four Tops' Catfish. These were some of the songs they went after. Wow. Yeah. So he didn't make it there. So then in 1976, he comes out with, a, with an album called Let Him In, which was a funky soul version of Paul McCartney's just number things. three hit from earlier that summer. Paul McCartney's version was a little bit of referencing some of the people like Brother John, but what Billy Paul did was Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, et cetera, et cetera. And the radio just hated it, and he didn't, he didn't do well at all. So, fast forward to the 2000s, Nike comes out with, for their track and field star, Marion Jones, they wanted to use Mrs. Jones as their like, as song, song right? and so he didn't f- put the stuff together and lost out on millions. So, Ooh. he did, screwed on that. So, he went back 
because he was so upset about that that suit, he then went back and tried to sue his label for unpaid royalties for me and Mrs. Jones. And he claimed that he had not received an accounting statement from Philadelphia International Records for the past 27 years. (laughs) So, at the trial... Um, what came out was actually Billy Paul owed the company 314000 for the Ooh. costs of recording and producing 10 of his albums oh from gosh. 1971 to 1980. This guy just went after this song through a slew of just pain and everything went wrong. When he went left, he should have gone right. It was just awful. And the poor guy, because it's such an incredible, incredible song. So that's my one-hit wonder. Wow. That's a good one. It's a good tune. Yeah. Hey, yeah. L- let's make a baby. Is Mrs. Jones uh, prominently featured in that one? <laughs> she should be. Okay. She should be. Yeah. All right. That's that. Mikey, you're up. All right. So I'm going to break the rules here. Oh, okay. Officially. Oh, this right. is the one that I said is a kind of a two hit wonder. Hey, can but I just one- say one thing? If there was anybody in the family that was a real rules breaker, <laughs> guess what? No, it was not my brother Michael, just so you know. Ooh. Well, these, Ooh these, are, these are fun rules. Okay. So. They technically had two hits. One was much, much bigger. Okay. So I'm going to go through and play the one song. And if you guys can tell me the other hit, then I I will disqualify myself. Oh, that's a fun game. Okay, cool. All right. So you're going to give me the biggest hit if we can come up with the second one that charted but lower. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. So I'm just going to play the song. Okay. And then I'll go through. All right. This is uh, Wallflowers, One, one headlight. headlight. No, there's not another one, is there? Yeah, there is. I'm trying to think, though. Oh. So. I would have given it to you. Yeah, Mikey, I would have given it to you. This is One Headlight. Hit number one. Yeah. Won two Grammys in 1998. Great tune, yeah. Their biggest song by far. Sure. There's no way the other one. The other one never came close to number one, though, right? You know who the singer is, right? It's uh, Jacob Dylan. Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son. I didn't know that. Ah, there you go. I should have known that. I really should have known that. Great tune. One more fun fact. Okay. It was the first single ever to hit number one on all three rock charts. Mainstream, modern, and alternative. Oh, no way. Hold on. Let me, let me just hear that a little bit. I missed this song. What year? 1997. Yeah, good tune. That's right. All right, you know the other song, Kev? No, I can't. And you know, you know what's, what's, what's screwing me up here is that we just talked about me and Mrs. Jones. <laughs> right. And this sounds a little bit like Counting Crows, you know, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. So I have that in my oh, head, right, and I no. can't think of what the other song was. Wait, can we, just, can we just hear the hook real quick? Yeah, I, really, I really like this quote. Good tune. All right. I can't remember the name of the song. Though. Can you give us a small hint, maybe? No. Would we know it? I'm going to... Want me to play it for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So this is, their, this is their other hit. It hit number 25. It got radio play. It's pretty high. But it was nowhere near the other one. Okay. So let's see if you know this one. Oh, yeah. This is why I thought Mr. Jones, because the guy from Counting Crows sings backup on yes, this song. Yes, he does. What? How do you even know that? Sixth Avenue Heartbreak or what? Sixth Avenue Heartache. Heartache. I don't know this. No? 
I don't think so. Let me uh, go to the hook. Go to the hook. Go to the course. So the backup singer is Adam uh, Duritz. Is that his name? From Counting Crows. No way. He's a backup singer. Yep. Huh. No, I never heard the song in my life. All right. I'm, wow. keep, I'm keeping it. It, it counts. Then. One, one, <laughs> keep it. Jason didn't know. <laughs> All right. Cool. That's a good one. Three great songs, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, it was really good. All in the same genre. Yeah, they are. Two of them from the same year. Well, they're all in the 90s, right? right? Yeah, all, yeah. In the, all in the 90s. Yeah, good. Mid-90s. All right, Kev. Okay, guys. Uh, so whereas Mike played all three from the same uh, decade, I'm jumped, I jumped around a little bit here. So my final selection, I'm going, I went from 1960 to start. Yep. 1983 for my last one. We're going all the way to 2012 here. Ooh. Okay. And this song didn't even qualify for Mr. Naraki, the guy that I, that I mentioned earlier about his list. Though he noted it, because he, he, again, he wrote his piece in 2014, so this came out two years earlier. He did note it and said, you and I, and even the name of the artist himself, um, all know that he's not going to have another hit, but we pretend otherwise for the time being. See if you can spot this one. Oh, yes. By the way, speaking of my son, he told me to do this song. This is my son's favorite song. Really? Yeah. It's honest all the time. He okay. absolutely loves it. So I knew you guys knew the song. Great song. Love this song. When this song came out, I was like, holy smokes, he absolutely nailed it. And her verse, her voice is really incredible. Good. Yep. Yep. Absolutely incredible. So do you guys know the name of the artist? Uh, Gautier. So Gautier. Yeah. The name of the song is Somebody That I Used to Know. Yeah. I'll play here another second or two. And then the name of the artist who's the the backup. Her name's Kimbra. She's from I New didn't Zealand. I that. I didn't know that. She oh, was they're not, both from New Zealand, no? Are they, he's he's New from New Australia, so I'll Australia? talk about him in a oh, second. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and she was not the original vocalist. He had an original one, and it just never worked out. And she was like in the right place at the right time. She was only 21 when this oh happened. Oh, she killed it. Yeah, she absolutely killed it. I remember um, reading an interview about him and saying uh, the way he composed the song, and I remember being very much into samples at the time. Right. Are you going to talk about the little guitar riff sample at all? I, you know what? I didn't write that part down, but he did sample it from like a... It's like a classical like a, a classic, like, like, guitar. Like 60s right. flamenco. Yes, flamenco right? guitar. Exactly right. And he just took the first couple of notes and just looped it. And just looped it. It really works amazing. What did the guy say? Well, we hope he does come out with another one. Is that, or we hope he's not finished? Or is that what he said? No. So he, he said, so he said, you and I and even Gautier himself all know that he's not going to have another hit, but we'll pretend otherwise for the time. That's being. nice. That's, that's well said. Yeah. So it was released in the summer of 2011. By the way, oh, Gautier, uh, it's the noom de plomb for a guy named Wally de Backer. Okay. Who was born in Belgium and he's of Belgian descent, but they moved to Australia when he was two. So he's Australian. Okay. Kimbra is New, New Zealand. Right. Or a New Zealander. And like I said, it was released in summer of 2011 worldwide, but it didn't hit the charts here in the U.S. until January of 2012, and finally hit number one on April 14th of 2012 when it was featured on the show Glee that week. Oh. And then also, he had a performance on Saturday Night Live with Kimbra oh, wow. that, that, that same weekend. So it stayed at number one for eight weeks, 
And he ended up winning three Grammy Awards wow. for this song. Sounds a little sting-like, right? It's well-deserved, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great song. That's a good song. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, what he won for was um, Album of the Year for Making Mirrors, which, again, there was no other song that, 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 that charted from that. He won for Best Pop Duo Group uh, Recording. Right, for, because he, he and Kimber did it, and then also one for record of the year, which is you know basically, you know the, the best song of the year. So here here here's the whole thing though about him being a true one hit wonder. He gets all this acclaim, right? It has all this newfound fame. So you would think like he's going to go out and take the world by storm and do yeah. another album like like <laughs> yeah. right away. Do you know how many albums he's done since this? Zero. So he never wow. did another never did another album. He's essentially retired. He is retired from making albums as Gautier. Um, he plays in a band, though, in Australia every now and then. They are called, um, I think, uh, The Basics. They're based okay. in Melbourne, Australia. Well, he plays wow. drums and sings. But it, it's, it's like an on-again, off-again thing. No kidding. And it, So he sold 13 million digital downloads from this song, right? So... I'm sure he did a decent, yeah. a decent job, you know, decent, made a decent living, but he's not even fully maximizing his song's earning potential. According to the Daily Mail, Gautier has turned down roughly $10 million in ad revenue from YouTube because wow. he doesn't believe ads should be played before his songs. Do you, you guys want to take a guess at how what? many times somebody, somebody, uh, the video? So, so, somebody that I used to know has been downloaded on YouTube? No. A hundred million? <laughs> Not even close. I don't know. Two billion <laughs> times. Wow. Two billion times. Oh my god! He has not taken one cent of ad revenue. It's a good video too. It's a great video, right? With the paint yeah. and right, yes. and they're up, they're up against the wall or whatever. Yeah. It's very artsy. Yeah. So he told the Daily Telegraph, "I'm not interested in selling my music. That's the reason I don't Dude. put ads on my YouTube channel, which seems strange to people in today's climate. But this is a decision that you can make in this day and age. Wow." So, also, he won't license the song to any advertisements, like so, you know, playing on Gatorade commercials or any that sort of stuff. He also has had so many requests from like commercial made, commercially made movies. Right. Nothing. Won't, won't put in that. The only thing he, he will grant is for students who are making their own films, he will grant them a license to use it, and he gives, does it at no charge. What wow. a cool dude. Yeah, that's wow. Awesome. This guy, to me, is the most true one hit wonder yeah, that I found yeah. because he is he like almost done. purposefully is keeping himself to be a one right. hit wonder like he's not using any of the opportunities that this culture is providing for him to go further but that's a true artist that's kind of cool he- all right my last entry into the one hit wonders podcast is this and it's personally one of my favorite songs if you were to put a list of Jason's songs of his life that he listened to the most this would be on the top 20 for sure this is classical gas by mason williams oh yeah this song for me when i heard it i didn't think guitars could do this i know it's not that big of a deal to people listening to it now but at 12, right. I didn't know how he made this song sound this way. 
and I played with the guitar and this. I I had bought what was then the sheet music slash tablature for the guitar, and it took me six months to learn it. I'm surprised you even learned it. This is I still I still play it today. Like it's not even. It's muscle memory at this point. Wow. Like my fingers just know how to do it. Right. Not that I want to do it. Just they know how to do it. That's how much I've played this song. But Mason Williams is a pretty cool dude. He actually was not only an incredible guitarist, but he was also a comedy writer for the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. What? The wow. Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour and Saturday Night Live. And no wrote a ton kidding. of skits and played on a ton of records and albums with... Steve Martin because Steve Martin is an incredible guitarist and banjo, banjo player, player. Yep. and they were great buddies so he actually won classical gas won three Grammys this year which was 1968 uh, best instrumental theme best instrumental performance and best orchestral arrangement he wrote songs for the Kingston trio and He's just a really cool dude. He's written more than 175 hours of music and comedy network television. Wow. And he's 84 years old, and he's still alive. Ten albums later. Very, But very this is absolutely the only charting success that he had. And what, this gets to number three? or number Like, it didn't make it all the way to one, right? No, it's right. Number number three. You're absolutely right. Because it was mentioned on the list that I talked oh, about. Oh, no kidding. He said if it hit one, 100%, obviously, he would have wow. been on the list. But yeah, just missed out. Now... There's also a version that's purely acoustic, which is just his guitar. It's not all of this other or like like symphonic kind of stuff that's going on in the background with the tuba right. and the stuff. And it's honestly better, in my opinion. Really? Just the guitar is better. But it's one of my favorites. Awesome. All right. Wait, is that all th- is that three for each of us? Yes. Yep. All right. All right. So Kev, you got a song to take us out on? Okay, I actually have two songs to take us out on. Oh, I'm going to try to go as quick as possible. Okay. But I'm going to play the one-hit wonder first, and then I want you guys to figure out who he's associated with. Do you guys know this song? I I definitely have heard it before. Do we know who this is, though? Wait, wait. Probably not. I'm sure you've heard the song. Wait, we know who this is, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, wait, we know this. Give me the first letter of his first name, G. Give me the first letter of his last name, A. I don't think you're in those names. I don't know. I know. Can you name a song, though? I could sing it, which is so sad. Uh, I've been watching you? No, I don't know. Close. No, tell me. Shake You Down by Gregory Abbott. Gregory Abbott. Released oh. October of 1986. Hit number one in January 17th, 1987. Yes. Such a good song. I feel like I heard this song in your house. You guys oh, played it. Oh, I am this sure was, my yeah, father your parents, played it. Yeah, I was going to say. All. The, in 1987, I bet every fourth song was Gregory <laughs> Abbott Shake You Down. With no doubt. I was going to say, if I know it from anywhere, it's your house. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, uh, I'll say really quick. This guy's a Renaissance man, by the way. Um, he's born of parents from Venezuela and Antigua. Um, he went to Cal and Stanford both. He taught English at Cal Berkeley before what? before releasing this song. But here's why. Here's what I'm going to go out with. The song I'm going out with. 
Do you guys have any idea who his wife is? <laughs> she is so close to being a one hit wonder, but she had it. You'll, I think you'll know the song when I play it. Okay. But she had another one that hit number 12. The song I want to play hit number three. You ready? Yeah. yeah. So this song will take you out. And this is his wife. This, is, this was his wife. They're no longer married. But here you go. And she's also, I think. So you're tw- telling me you're giving me a husband and wife team that yes. both had one hit wonders. <laughs> that, that I, I think oh, are one hit wonders because I didn't know her other song, okay. even though it hit 12. Okay. Um, but, and she's 12 years his senior, by the way. I know, I know that it's Band of Gold. I don't know who the singer is, though. I don't know her name. So her name is Frida Payne. So you're telling me this hit number three? This hit three. And she had something that was... She had another song that hit number 12. It was called Bring the Boys Back Home. No, I didn't know I, that and one. I don't think any of us would know it. Nope. Husband um, and wife. Husband and wife. One hit wonder. One hit wonders. <laughs> the last one doesn't quite that's qualify, great. but it's close enough. That's close enough for sure. Let's take it out, Frida Payne. Oh, that's really good. All right, well done, gentlemen. Thank you so much for doing that, and we will definitely have to do another one of these for sure. Absolutely. Yep. All great picks. Good stuff. And we will go out and say thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>